Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of the Brisbane Football Review. It's James Scott and Adam here on hopefully match-free Wednesday evening here in South East Queensland. It's definitely the throes of summer at the moment. Adam, how are you going? I'm good. How are you, uh, James? How are you, Scott? Hey, Scott? I'm good. No match, so we've got a couple of draws to keep us entertained anyway. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the, 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 uh, the, the nerds of the Drawmasters uh, are out tonight, so... Yes, we do have a whole lot to cover for you on this episode. Uh, we'll start off with our usual plugs. Facebook, The Raw Review. We're still working on changing that to Brisbane Football Review. Maybe by the time we hit six years, they'll let us update our show name. Twitter, at BNE Football. Uh, email, BrisbaneFootballReview at gmail.com. Send any comments, questions. Uh, podcasts, you can listen to us through iTunes, Wooshka, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn leave a rating, a review, and most importantly, tell your friends so it just doesn't sound like we're talking to ourselves here. Although the important thing is we think we're funny. Isn't that right? Anyway. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I, I can promise you can expect a lot better over the next 50 or so minutes here. Uh, we've got quite a lot to talk about. We will get into all the big stories that have been going on in Southeast Queensland and Australian football, but we do want to start off on a sombre note starting off with, from a raw perspective, uh, the tragic news that former CEO Michael Bowers passed away on Monday at age 57. Marco Monteverde from News.com had that report. He was a raw CEO from 2011 to 2012. Was in, uh, was in charge of the club for Orange Sunday 2 against Perth Glory. And on behalf of Scott Adam and myself, we say rest in peace and best wishes to his friends and family who were going through a tough time. Right. There really is no delicate way to pivot here so we're going to go right into the w league recap friday night down at the croatian sports center it was exactly the sort of response we would have been hoping for from the brisbane raw six nil winners over melbourne victory only a few weeks after drawing with them nil all i'll be honest i was expecting a low scoring game and adam this was pretty much the exact opposite of that wasn't it exactly and um yeah to support to find a point this was a statement and and what a statement from um, this raw side! You know, four draws. Uh, they need to come out with intent, and no, they came out with intent to sort of attack and score goals. But they they really ran over top of a Melbourne Victory side who, yeah, look, look let's face it, they were without Lisa Devana, without Annalie Longo, but um, the raw they 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 clicked, and that's I think that's, as fans, that's what we wanted to see at, at last. No Natalie Tatham either, who's obviously out with the season with her ACL injury. But it's interesting, isn't it? Because it did click, but for the first 25 minutes, so it looked like more of the same in the terms of the fact that it really was a slow start where both sides were trying to get a grip of the game. And it seemed like once the Raw did get that first goal through Marielle Ecker, and I think it was on the 25th minute or there or thereabouts, it seemed like it just seemed like it was just it relaxed the whole side. They started to just calm down and play the football that we know they can play. We've seen it throughout this run of draws where they haven't had the luck, on Friday night, they got the luck. Things start to go in, and it, start, and it it seemed like once the first goal went in, James, they just calmed down. Yeah. And after they played some really good football. I agree. I'll, I'll be honest, after 20 minutes, uh, not just because of the uh, issues on the pitch, there was some other stuff going on, which we'll talk about in a little bit. 
but we want to focus on the good stuff first, and that's why we are going to talk about the Raw's performance. After 20 minutes, my wife was actually asking, can we please watch WandaVision? Because she was she was suffering, like I think a lot of fans might have been early on. But yeah, the goals, Mariel Hecker and Tamiki Yallop scored in the first half. Then it was Sean Fryer in the 64th minute. Emily Gilnick had a brace. And then Winnie Heatley completed the route with a her debut goal for the Brisbane Raw with, I believe, the last kick of the game, there or thereabouts. It was a huge win for the Raw, 6-0. And to be totally honest, like... It's what we've been hoping for for so damn long. I, Yeah, I, I was just stunned at how well the, uh, they clicked, but it was what we've been asking for. Yeah, look, and I think um, the inclusion of Sean Fryer uh, into in the side and the return of Tamika Yallop, I think it really sort of energised. And we thought maybe that, you know, in the past previous weeks, that, you know, Rosie Sutton coming into, um, coming into the centre of attack may have sort of straightened up the attack, but it seemed to be the move of home. Sean Fryer, who is a specialist, you know, winger out there and out on left wing, and then having um, Emily Gilnick, sort of, and Emily Gilnick and uh, Mariel Hecker pretty much running. Uh, swapping that number nine um, role, that seemed to be the tonic for all of a sudden the attack uh, clicking. But Tamika Yalp had probably one of her better games for Raw in a while. Um, scored an absolute howitzer um, uh, late late in the first half that made it two 0 Now it's probably from there you got the sense that the Raw would be very very hard to sort of to topple once they got that second goal. Yeah, you could see just obviously there was you know a lot of happiness for uh, Hecker for her first goal for the Raw it was good to see her finally get rewarded for that as well but above all this it just looked more like it was a release than anything because his team was like we could going back to that game at Dolphin Stadium when we saw them up close after the match those players you could tell were just getting frustrated and it looked like the pressure had been released that they were playing a lot more free-flowing football and look I don't want to hear the whole oh, victory work you know, left short a few players. It's not like the Raw were fielding a full-strength side either. No, they weren't. They had Rosie Sutton, who was unavailable on the weekend, along with Katrina Goris. So two pretty important players in the top 13, 14 type of... just on the bench starting type of players. Rotational pieces, if you like, are unavailable. And I think I think we've overlooked the fact that Liv Chance also started on Friday, and she was absolutely fantastic. Think about the way the Raw built in confidence as the game grew on. It's almost like they're form and confidence grew as her influence grew and I thought Liv Chance was absolutely fantastic on Friday night. It made a, a big difference in setting up a couple of those goals. You mentioned it was three debut, three first time goal scorers, Sean Fryer, Winnie Heatley and Marielle Ecker. So I think her influence, Liv Chance was absolutely instrumental along with Tamiki Yallop playing a more midfield role. We've seen her play in the front third, almost false nine type of a role in the first couple of games of the season. I think getting Tamika back into midfield where we've seen her play so well for so long, those two things I think were really instrumental in in the way the Raw played it. It, it did give them outlets on the left through Sean Fryer as well, so it seemed a much clearer setup as well. I will I will admit, I was a little bit sceptical on, I suppose, bringing Chance in solely to replace Letitia McKenna, who for me had been the standout of that W League side throughout the season, but well, I'm happy to eat my words on that. It, McKenna... Uh, obviously has been quite good and I'd love to see her get back into the starting lineup. I think I saw the football sack had an article pointing out that she was being considered as a future Matilda or something to that effect. But Chance just took that game to a whole other level and the way she ran the midfield, completely assured, I just, yeah, thought overall there was a whole lot more uh, that we could, that we can uh, look forward to from that. 
Well, it comes down to, again, is that that midfield um, of, you know, Isabel Dalton, who, uh, she had another very solid game, um, along with Liv Chance and Tamiki Yallop. They, they just completely overran uh, the victory midfield in the second half. That's, and that pretty much was the foundation on what you know, this route was built on. Was Liv Chance just took over the game completely. Probably should have had a goal. Um, sort of one of the rare moments that Gabby Garten for um, victory was able to make a you know, miraculous save. But uh, yeah, that, that midfield all of a sudden has gone from sort of question marks to you know who's playing what role to... that, that Yeah, that now Liv Chance sort of along with Tamika Yallop and, and Izzy Dalton, that, that, that was a formidable performance. And that, like I said, are we surprised that we're talking about you know, a big win for the Raw based on the fact that that midfield just overran their opponents? It does set up an interesting discussion going forward, doesn't it? Because we know Katrina Gori missed the game on Friday night through a bit of an injury, came off the game prior. We saw Letitia McKenna start and do quite well for the, for the first four games of the season. That ne- do- are they now the players who are going to come off the bench? Because that's tremendous depth in the midfield that Jake Goodship has at his disposal, if that's going to be the case. Because I think at the moment, on that showing, how can you change that midfield three? They combined so well. There were probably three of the top four or five players on the park for Brisbane on Friday night. So I know look, Katrina Gorey is a Matilda. She's been here such a long time. We know what Katrina Gorey can do. But at the moment, maybe it might be that she has to just bide her time on the bench for a little bit. And that's something that I do think uh, Jake Goodship deserves plenty of credit for as well. Because, you know, go back and listen to our last four or five episodes where we've talked about the W League side. In It feels like he's finally, uh, he's finally putting in the players who are best suited to the roles that he wants them to do, rather than just saying, all right, here's my best 11, let's try and fit this square peg in this round hole. And you're right, Katrina Gorey should be an automatic starter for this side, but... Can you really like? Can you really bench any of the players after that performance? Because they do have a tough, um, they do have a tough matchup coming up as well. So there's, I don't know. I'm just trying to find the way to say, you know, it's not the worst thing in the world if you do have to potentially, you know, piss off the likes of Gory and say you're going to the, um, you're going to have to come off the bench here and be an impact sub. Absolutely. And look, I mean, it's a role that we've seen. Players like Trinigori have to work with out through the Matildas. It's not a no player's got a guaranteed spot in that side either. So it's a role that Trinigori might be used to. And at the moment, if look, I'm not sure what the injury was that Trina came off with in Newcastle, but it was obviously enough to keep her out of the game on Friday night. So maybe it might be best for the short term if that is her role. And we've seen the way things change, James. We've seen Liv Chance miss the first game of the year with an injury. Tamiki Allett missed the game with an injury. Opportunities will open up. So I don't think it's a permanent solution by any, by any stretch of the imagination. It just may, may mean that right now it's the right way to go because that balance of that midfield three and even the front three looked a lot better on Friday night as well. The balance of the side looked a lot better. And I think that's something that they've found something now with this result and they have to build on it. Well, even, um, let's see, you look at, you know, if you go forward, you know, potentially your, quote, best 11 players in the park, which we sort of railed against in the previous couple of weeks, even even one option would be to, to slip, slip Gorry into uh, midfield and play Isabel Dalton in, in that right back role. The problem is, is that Winnie Heatley's been absolutely outstanding. So is Jamila Rankin on the other side. And look, you're not going, and you're not going to um, move the sort of the, the the wall that pretty much that uh, Claire Polkinghorne and Kim Carroll so have created. So look, this is a side that all of a sudden we've gone from you know four draws 
straight draws and all doom and gloom to, okay, they're undefeated in five, and they've just absolutely smacked one of one of the teams that were considered, you know, a decent contender. And just quickly on that as well, I'm not changing that backline. Two goals conceded in no. five matches. Like, let, let them ride, it, ride out the hot hands. Absolutely, and winning heat is getting better and better going forward. It's starting to see in the first couple of weeks, there was a little bit more sitting back, wasn't sure when to go for, when not to go for. You started to see that in the last couple of games, getting forward and looking dangerous in position to get a couple of good crosses in. So, again, I agree with you. I wouldn't be changing that back for at the moment at all. That's that's the, that's the strength of this side. Absolutely. And, you know, good luck to whoever's got to try and stop Winnie Heatley barging forward for Lions in the NPL competition next season. I'm assuming she's coming back to Lions. I have no inside knowledge, but based on how they've been promoting the games at Lions Stadium, they still see Hecker and Heatley as one of their own. I think that's what that's what your line was, Adam. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that was the line pretty much that came out of the Lions social media. So, <laughs> so yeah, they, they, they definitely see them as part of their own, whether they actually show up for the NPL season. Um, but especially they've uh, been hot in the market uh, recent, in recent days. So, um, yeah, look, but like I said, we'll look at the... Uh, League season at the moment, and yeah, like the two very valuable players in this squad are um, Winnie Heatley and Merrill Hecker. Okay, so there is we're now past the halfway point of the W League season because for some reason someone thought a nine round competition was a good idea. Go figure. Anyway, that result is twelve the... rounds, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it's all... I'm I'm on the W League thing, and it's only got not nine rounds for the Raw. Huh, okay. Yeah, that. Yeah, but that's like I said. They, they, they are doing the rolling draw, draws at the moment. So right, they've only published up to round nine, but I'm pretty sure it's a 14 round. Okay, well, I, I retract that statement. Even though you know, some may say I'd just love the chance to get that shot in, uh, <laughs> and also shows that I probably need another coffee, even though it is 10 past eight at night. Anyway, that result has put the raw up into fourth place. Um, overall. You know they're one of a few teams still yet to lose, and if they can just keep this role going, then they're still very much in touching distance of, at the very least, a top two finish. And let's be honest, they're still yet to play Sydney FC. It's a fascinating table at the moment. Sydney FC are doing what we all thought they would do and finish in the top two, but the, the particularly Melbourne City, they look like they have completely fallen apart. We thought they'd still be a contender to some degree, but at the moment they've. Their loss to Adelaide was really telling in a lot of ways. It looked like almost uh, Adelaide are here now. They've arrived. They've been threatening for a while to finally push for a final spot. Look like they're going to finally get there for the first time. So congratulations to them if they do continue on with it. It's been a great start. But City look like they've gone completely the opposite way. It's a really fascinating league at the moment. I do. I still think even despite Brisbane's run of draws, that, that result on on Friday night puts them well in the conversation to at the very least be in the top four and still be right in the mix of that top two as you mentioned, James. Yeah, there's a, there's a whole lot to play for. It's, I would say, largely a wide-open finals picture at the moment. The only side I would even consider riding off so far is Perth Glory. And as we've seen in football, a week is a long time. For all we know, they could come out and put six by their next opponent. I probably should check who that is before I say it, but point still stands. Oh, they're playing... Yeah, anyway, I can't read. Never mind me. Let's go back to you, Scott. Three, two, yes. one. Player of the season awards. It's your turn to reveal for the W League. So, who got your votes? Well, as I mentioned earlier, I said that Live Chance made such an impact on the 
in her debut on the starting debut on Friday night. So for me, best player in the park and three points for her. So there two 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 points for Marielle Ecker. Her performances over the course of the whole season have been really really good. It's just been missing that end product in front of goal, and she got a goal and an assist on Friday night. So I gave her two and. Tamiki Yallop also had a huge impact returning to the side as also I gave Tamiki Yallop one can't argue with that uh, I could have given it to a number of different players as we've talked about earlier it was a really really good solid team performance yeah it's much more enjoyable having to do those votes on um, like when you've got about six players to fit into three spots rather than trying to stretch out that final vote anyway up next for the Raw Sunday Afternoon fixture down at Amy Park, Melbourne City Women, Brisbane Raw, uh, travelling down there for that one. I should have checked that before I just completely tore into Melbourne City, shouldn't I? That wasn't great timing. No, so I'm sure this will be playing on a loop in their dressing room because I'm sure all of Melbourne City listen to this podcast and if they're going to be like their crosstown rivals, that probably means they'll be trying to poach us uh, to do a Melbourne City podcast in the next year or two. Yeah, talk, talk you see, you've just... Uh, well... We're passing on this audio to Rado Vincent, <laughs> so... Yeah, we've got to get in on that uh, commentary that they're doing for SEN as well. Because, you know, we don't talk enough on this show. Um, just quickly, on this match, obviously it's going to be a tough one. Uh, they played in the opening round. Adam, what are you expecting from this fixture? Well, I think it's just going to be... A, this is a big game for Melbourne City uh, and Embrism Royal both, because um, on games played, both teams by, by Sunday afternoon will be on six be on six play which will be at least one maybe two more than everyone else so um yeah a, a win a win for the raw and all of a sudden they're they're looking really good despite you know having you know played more games and probably their their rivals around them but for melbourne city especially um they need to win because they, they'll be a win for them will be seven seven points from six games even less than that and yeah i think that they may be almost done for the season so that's a big game but i think looking further beyond for the raw just quickly um after after this game against melbourne city they've got a swing of games away against western sydney wanderers and sydney fc and i think those games as well this next three games you know this will be the tale of of their season um if they if they can get if they can get you know seven out of nine in the next three games um we can start you know penciling them in again as you know potential premiership chances you said this game's at amy park that's what it says on the W League website. It's an, it's an interesting one because the Raw's record down in Melbourne against City has been absolutely atrocious, but the one win they did get down there was actually at Amy Park. So perhaps there's something in that for the Raw because it hasn't been a happy hunting ground, this fixture for them. I think it's a it's certainly a game where City are going to be desperate. I think they, to Adam's point, they absolutely have to win for the Raw. A win would be nice. I think to continue the unbeaten run would be a good result. I think... I think that's the way they've got to look at it. They've got to go down there and try and get something and build on what they build on what they did, particularly in the second half against Melbourne Victory. If they can build on that, on that showing, they should be able to put in another really good performance away to City on Sunday. Look, this this is going to sound like I'm contradicting myself here, but this is still a very good Melbourne City side, but it's nowhere near as good as the Melbourne City sides we've seen in the past. And I I honestly feel like if the Raw can jump out to an early lead. I'd back that uh, back line to hold out and, you know, hopefully bring uh, three points all the way back to Brisbane. If I'm Jake Goodship, I'm just saying, you know, go out, show that intensity that you did down at Carrara on yeah. on uh, last Friday night. I will say uh, one final thought on that match at Carrara. It would have been lovely to go down, but 
on the uh, Friday evening before a long weekend. The broadcast was the option for me. Unfortunately, for like a lot of us who chose to view it on a TV screen, it was not an ideal viewing experience, was it, Scott? It was. Just before we get on to the actual broadcast, two wins from 12 against Melbourne City over the history of the W League, so it's not exactly a, a great fixture for the Raw, but maybe it turns around this week. On the broadcast, you're right, it wasn't a tremendous broadcast in terms of what happened on Friday night. We know what happened. It was the latest in a string of issues with A and W League broadcasts to start the season. We've seen the fact that the people complained about the picture quality. We'll talk about that later, but there was the issue where the stream dropped out, and that was the big issue, wasn't it? Where I think it was out for, what, three, four minutes there early in the first yeah. half, and that, that, that coupled with what happened three weeks ago when the stream, when the vision dropped out for the Merzman-Radovic goal for Wellington Phoenix, along with the flying hexagonal graphic nonsense in the W League at the same time. That's when they should have got the kicking, by the way, publicly from the, from everyone. That was when Fox should probably have actually been criticised then, not now. I think it should have happened then, but they were what happened on Friday then. was probably the final straw. No, they probably did get it behind the scenes, but it should have been public then, because to me, both those things were worse than this. Yeah, the, the one thing that I guess... Look, I'm not going to defend... Uh, Fox, Fox, and whoever's doing their production, because I, I think, especially for Queensland games, we know it's not a Fox, Fox Sports outside broadcast. It's it's so it's subcontracted. Um, look, I'm not going to defend that because at the end of the day, it's just probably it's probably vision that's probably not uh, that's probably not uh, I guess compatible for HD you know quality on television. It's probably more for a streaming service like Ko. But the one. Um, issue I guess I take a little bit of umbrage about is you know you see the sniping on social media about oh Foxtel got 40 million dollars to um, to you know, support women's sport do you think they put up a better uh, a better broadcast well look let's, let's just park that for a second just because Foxtel whether you agree with it or not whether they got 40 million dollars to promote women's sport what makes you think that even a cent of that has gone to women's football at the end of the day, it's Foxtel that are allocating. They probably they probably put most of it to their AFLW or their their big their big women's big bash um, sort of projects rather than football. So you can probably make a case. Yeah, look, it's continually it's continually a you know a I guess a pattern that you know Fox Foxtel just doesn't seem to care as much about football, both men and women, as they do about their other marquee sports. But at the end of the day, um, attacking the government or attacking Foxtel. Because of that, I don't think it's the right way, but the coverage needs to improve. And look, I think it might be a case of they were shamed into putting these games more onto Foxtel. And look, quite frankly, they're, they're not up to standard. They're not. I just hope that people didn't expect that it was going to be in 4K HD. I, I can't argue with anything you just said there, Adam. I think my only point to that that I would make is Fox, well, you know, Foxtel is at least, you know, being an equal opportunity offender here because they're treating both the A and W League with a massive level of contempt, probably because I don't think they even really want to be showing these games, but they're only doing it because they're contractually obliged to. I, I just, I think the sooner that they can get out of their Fox contract, the better, and it will be on June 30. I just hope that, you know, James Johnson and whoever else is running these negotiations for the next level of broadcasting is saying, if you do something like this, we're getting money back because... Like, this is just not good enough. And, look, I know, 
and the other thing that really annoyed me about that Fox statement as well is saying it's just been one or two issues well I've watched three Raw W League games on TV off the top of my head all of them have been uh, plagued by broadcast issues as well the only one that wasn't was the game down in Newcastle and even that was still not it, it was good you know I'm a big fan of Ben Homer so and there's nothing against him I thought he did a fantastic job same for Teo down in Victoria but that first game at Dolphin Stadium, that also got uh, a lot of flack too. I think that was possibly be, possibly being streamed from the ground in at best 720p or something. I'll just I'll just jump in there, James, because there's there's one difference between that Newcastle game and all the others that the Raw have played, and it seems to be the Raw games are the ones that have been hit by most. And the reason why was because there was a, there was an A League game before that, so Foxtel were doing the outside broadcast for that. But all these other games are standalone games, and this not, has only not, become not, a problem. Not the Melbourne City game. That was the that was part of that season opening double header up at Dolphin Stadium as well. So I don't know. Yeah, but there, there, there was there, but it wasn't Foxtel. It wasn't Foxtel that were actually doing the outside broadcast. There was no A League game that was attached to it. So the, again, the coverage was was lacking as far as the what we expect from a Foxtel broadcast for the A League. So. It's for, for me, the only issue, the reason why this is all coming up this season, sorry just to jump in on this, is that in the past, whenever W League has been on on TV, more often not in past seasons, it's always because it's been either before or after an A-League game. So these sort of things have been hidden, but now that we seem to be having more standalone W League games, all of a sudden the, the picture quality is being exposed for all to see. And just on that as well, but the only point I will uh, just say is there is... That first um, W, that first W League game at Dolphin Stadium, there was an A League game directly after it. So, the for some it's reason, symptomatic, James. It's across the board, and it's been this mm. way for about two years now. That the Fox Football budget has just been cut and cut and cut and cut and cut. It's not just in terms of the on-air talent, which has been has been publicised significantly. It's also in the behind-the-scenes people who put these broadcasts together, and also the cameras. At games, the amount of cameras who, which actually film these games, even in the A League, is drastically down from what was the case a couple of years prior. And I think this is actually where football actually has to make a really, really big decision right now here, because they've got to look at the landscape. We know they're about to engage in a new broadcast rights deal coming up, and the thing is, I think they've got more leverage, guys, than they realise, because since the last time this has happened, the Rugby Australia has left Foxtel and gone to a Channel 9 secondary channel. The NBL, which is on ESPN, is strongly rumoured to be joining them on that platform. That's two bits of content that they no longer have on their platform, which means I imagine... which And James can tell you about this. There's a strong, passionate rugby following, which will no doubt follow from Foxtel to that platform where, where they can find it from now on. So I think the dynamic has changed where they might need football a bit more now than they did previously or maybe even that they realize now so the game has got a bit of leverage here and I think in addition to getting the the number up per year in terms of how much money they get out of the broadcast I think one of the things if they're gonna if they are gonna stick with Foxtel the broadcast quality has to go back to 2017 2018 quality where the cameras are up the quality of the production is higher and the effort to put a crew of people together to put these productions together on, or in front of and behind camera goes back to the standard which you expect of a professional broadcast. Because with the greatest of respect to the people who are still putting these broadcasts together, 
and they're doing everything they can possibly can to get it to look as good as possible. At the moment, they're doing it with at least one arm tied behind their back, and that that is not sustainable. So if Foxtel are going to keep the rights, that above anything else has to go. Yep, I... No, I agree with that. Yeah, that's a really good way to... Uh, you sum that up, Scott. Look, guys like Adam Peacock and Bosnich and Slater and Tara and Brenton, they're all doing what they can. It's just, yes. if you if you can't do something because of a budget, you can't do it. Exactly. And look, it's become blatantly obvious, especially with their halftime coverage when they've only got two people at the ground, if we're lucky. I, I just, I just, it's insulting, really. But the, what you were saying before about the rugby fans there, Scott, just at least, you know, anecdotally from the people I've talked to, look, say Foxtel loses, you know, the rights to the NRL, it goes to something else. There, I feel like the people that subscribe to Foxtel for the NRL or the cricket or whatever usually have two or three reasons for subscribing to Foxtel. Rugby union, and look, let's be honest, it's a fan base with a lot of disposable income generally. It, it's a sort of fan base that will have people subscribing to Foxtel just for the rugby. Football, it's got arguably the most diverse supporter base in Australian sport. One of, if not, one of, if not the most. It brings in all people from you know all sorts of backgrounds and different socioeconomic statuses. The people that subscribe to Foxtel for football, the really passionate ones, that percentage of the audience is greater than what you would find for one of the major football codes. That's just, for me, the anecdotal fact. I just feel like at some point, Foxtel is suddenly going to realise, oh, hang on, they lost would have lost a lot of subscribers with the Premier League rights going to Optus. And to be honest... From what I've seen, especially for the W League broadcast and some of the A League, let's not you know make this uh, A League versus W League thing. This is football versus broadcasting. the The people who are doing this are just they're working yeah with one hand behind their back. It's it's just not good enough. And to be honest, like I, I will once again talk up Double Take Sports here uh, in Brisbane, who do all the NPL games. The one, the people that I work with from there seem like they're putting in 10 times the effort of the Fox production crew at the moment just to get a stream up and running for NPL TV. So there are people out there who will do a good job. Find them. That's all. I just think, look, I just think they're comparable. Um, The comparable sort of, you know, benchmark from Friday night is that Look, it was no different to seeing watching um, Gold Coast Knights playing in on MPL TV during during the season. And look, in, in fact, it was probably a little bit better. Uh, that's that's probably with the standard. And MPL TV is free. You're paying nine ninety five a month or whatever it is for Ko, or you're paying you know God knows what you're paying these days on Foxtel. So so yeah, and that and that I think that's what come comes to. But look, I just want to backtrack on one thing quickly. I do apologise, James. You're right. The um, that. The first game of the season was actually a double header, so it, did, it didn't feel like it. It just seems to be a long time, but um, but yeah, right. But like I said, it's still valid. Though. I think that yeah, the the standard of the broadcasting itself is is not up to scratch of what we expected. Final thoughts, Scott. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing is about the upcoming negotiations is Foxtel are already losing subscribers anyway. We've seen the fact that they are down continually, regardless of what they've been doing. So. The loss of the rugby subscriber is only going to hurt them, and I think it does. It places this in one of the most interesting, 
interesting places that we've seen in a while. It's interesting, Foxtel haven't really put out the statements of the fact that it's a, it's a take this or leave it type of approach this time. By this stage, la, early last year, we'd already heard Foxtel putting out, well, we're going to make an offer and you can either take it or you can leave it. Right now, it's quiet. I think it's quiet because I'm, I'm not even sure they, they know what to do. Because they would have wanted rugby to be kept. You mentioned, James, it's a it's a strong, passionate fan base with high disposable income and people who've been subscribed to Foxtel for a very long time because of the fact that it, they've had the rights for that for so long. So I, I think they're in a spot now where they're trying to work out what's next. And I think it's a position where if football can play its cards right, it can come out a winner here, either staying on Fox with a better deal or jumping to a new opportunity, whatever that may look like. And I will just mention, you know, anecdotally again, last year, you know, before my dad passed, he he had been saying all along when the rumours were going around that uh, Foxtel were going to lose the Super Rugby and Wallabies and all that, he was saying he was just counting down the days to, you know, scrapping Foxtel and Mum's still trying to work out how to do that, so <laughs> trying to help her with that. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot harder than actually putting it on. That's for sure. Yes, yeah, it is. That. But yeah, my final thoughts on that. I just want to leave it with this: is saying, yeah, you're. I'm happy to have it go back to. Oh, I'm happy-ish if it goes back to Fox Hill because it is still a massive subscriber base. But it should come with the caveat of don't screw, don't screw with us this time. We've got all these other places we can go to, and look. I know cash is king for the most part, but I would like I would happily take a broadcasting fee at the same rate as what they're getting now, even if it means the salary cap is going to go not quite grow the way that we'd want, or they could just scrap it. I honestly feel like if they go back to Fox and say, All right, it's a non exclusive agreement, we're going to do the production, you just take our feed and you're going to be happy with it. Oh, and by the way, we're also going to on-sell it to, you know, Channel 10, Channel 9, whatever. Yeah, you're not you're not uh, pulling our strings anymore, Scott, and then we'll move we on. We just look at what the NBL have done the last couple of years. They're, 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 like, the amount of people who watch the games is comparatively low compared to what the A-League has, but the way they've structured their deal, they do their own in-house broadcasting from down in Melbourne. The way they package it to both ESPN... And SBS, the way they've done that, they've set up a deal there, which has been beneficial for them. And they've actually now gone and done a gone look like doing a deal. Was it with Stan? It is Stan, right? Yeah, Stan. Channel Nine slash Stan Sport. Channel Nine slash Stan, which is where the rugby is also going. Looks like they've done a deal to go there. So that that half step back for them to go into a deal like that to almost link up in a way with NBA broadcasts because they're both on the same platforms. Seems like it's been a way that they could take half a step back to take a step forward. So maybe there's something in that as well. And look, to be totally honest, I've got a lot more faith in the people running the show than, you know, the ones that were doing it five years ago. That The deal Gallup signed was phenomenal. But, you know, you, you look at uh, the global expertise James Johnson can bring to the table and some of the other people involved as well. And look, because of the stuff going on with the National Second Division it seems like that's going to be sold as a whole package. That would be my assumption. So, yeah, I think it is... Go- I think the FA... Oh, sorry. FA, Football Australia, are going to be involved in the A-League right still, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. Okay, moving on. Um, the reason we're recording a little bit later than usual on a Wednesday evening is because we had a couple of cup draws to 
get through. Starting off with the Raw Asian Champions League path. The Raw are going to play Filipino side Kaya FC on the 7th of April. And should they get by that, which as we've learned in the past is no sure thing. A week later, the winner of that playoff between the Raw and Kaya FC from the Philippines will play Beijing Guan. Just, you know, Chinese powerhouse, whatever. And that is going to be on the 14th of April. The winner of that playoff is going to get into Group F of the Asian Champions League against Patham United from Thailand, Ulsan Hyundai from South Korea, and Vitel FC from Vietnam. Group stage fixtures will be in a central location from April 21 to May 7. Venue is to be confirmed. Boy, do we have a lot of thoughts on that announcement from the AFC. I'm going to start off with Adam, our AFC correspondent. <laughs> Yeah, well, this uh, and we've, we've sort of intimated from previous weeks. First of all, I have no idea how the, how both uh, Brisbane Raw and Melbourne City assume they're assuming just for a second that based on rankings, whatnot, that they get past Kai United and Melbourne City get past uh, Shan United of uh, Myanmar, I think it is. Um, that in their in their uh, their playoff and get to the qualifiers. I don't know how they're even this is going to be, even be accomplished um, as far as logistics go. You know, without without you know considerable disruption to the domestic season. Up on top of that, you know, then what happens if you know Brisbane Raw get past Beijing Goan? What if Melbourne City get past Chorizo Osaka in the, in the uh, in the qualifiers and actually make the group stage? I just like I said, given this will be interesting, you know, in any other year. Given that the borders are closed at the moment, the different regulations going to here, where I just have no idea how the, how the AFC Champions League is even going to happen. So, yeah, I, I, I'm yeah. stunned by AFC basically. correspondent Mayor of Redcliffe. You're aware of many hats, Adam. I am. Uh, Sub correspondent Scott. <laughs> yeah, he's Adam's right. This is a it's an interesting situation of how these fixtures are going to happen. We've we can talk about in a minute what it looks like in terms of the draw's chances, but how this happens, I think, is going to be very, very interesting. I saw today that the FA are going to put a bid in to actually host the group stage matches. Now, that may or may not be a benefit for Brisbane and Melbourne City going forward. We'll have to wait and see if they're able to successfully navigate the qualification process, but I, I imagine that these playoffs are going to be played overseas somewhere in a central location. Perhaps, perhaps the Raw have to go to Beijing and play play Kaya United and then they stay there for three, four days or whatever and then if they win they play Beijing Goan. If they don't win they're on a plane home anyway. Maybe that's the way it's going to have they're going to be because to me that's about the only way it can be done for these playoffs is you're going to have three team playoffs over a two week period. They're all going to be in the same location and I think if you're going to actually go to the effort and say that Beijing or Serra's Osaka or whoever the other teams at home in those final round of playoffs are, if they're going to get a home ground advantage, they should actually get it. So maybe the first round of that has to be a neutral fixture in the same city. That's about the only way I can see that working. But even still, the Raw then and Melbourne City also would have to fly to that to there, I assume, do two weeks in a quarantine situation, then play the game, then either fly to wherever the group stage is. It's going to be you're looking at eight to ten weeks out of the A-League regular season, and, and I think that is going to be something which you would hope the FA had already at least discussed how what that could look like, because they, they knew the Asian Champions League was coming. You hope there's a plan, but 
as yet we haven't heard it. And I think that's something which a lot of people are waiting to hear from because we talked about it a couple of weeks ago on the show to go for it or not to go for it, right? If it's going to cost you your whole league season, is it really worth it? And I think that's something that we're going to find out in the next week or so based on the plan. Yeah. I, I think it might be... I think you might be onto something that, you know, as far as logistics go, um, maybe for... Let's take Raw, for example. Maybe that, that game against Kai United happens in Beijing or somewhere in China. Still, as far as I understand it, um, I even sort of did some research um, today on it, talking to a few um, few colleagues up in China. That, as far as I understand it, it's still you you still have to do 14 days quarantine before you're able to get, you know, on entry to China. Um, and that's assuming that that the argument is based on the fact that you know that football players are essential workers. Well, let's just to say they are. They're so going to have to be for this to work, right? Yep, that's 14 days there. They play, they play. If they get beat by Kaya, let's hope not. But it's then it's 14 days. At whatever time, it's going to be 14 days to return to Australia because it doesn't look like that border restriction on re-entry to Australia is going to change anytime soon. In fact, it's more likely that China will open its borders before Australia does. So either way, you're looking at potentially uh, 28 days of quarantine both in and out of you know of this competition that's four rounds if not more depending on you know where without the structure I, don't, I just don't know how it works and then that's not even taking into account that what happens if they actually make the group stage yeah that's so, that, that, yeah it, it is just look i love the level of optimism from the afc thinking that all this is going to work because i'm not sure how this would impact you know the chinese super league the j league or any of the other domestic leagues out of East Asia. They but wouldn't have started yet. That's the thing. They wouldn't have started yet. They're all by April. Most of those leagues are most of those leagues are calendar year, so perhaps they might have, might hold them off. And and also and also on top of that, with the um, with the with the uh, knockouts not due till September, as well. Like I said, it finishes in May. Any team, any team in those other AFC leagues, like like in China, Japan, all that, there's sufficient time to make it up. We're, it's very very clear that the A-League must wrap up because of the expiring TV contract. It has to end on on the 30th of June at the very, at the very, very latest. And that's on top of they don't want to get... And they even want to finish it up earlier because of the potential of clashing with the um, Tokyo Olympics and the lead-up to that. So, oh, yeah, that too. Yeah, that's, 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 that's where the problem is, for which is uniquely for Football Australia, is the fact is that they don't have till November, December to, to complete yeah. their league. They've got till pretty much. I it sounds like it's, if, if if the three teams are going to be in the championship, it sounds like the A League's going to have to finish in a hub. It's going to have to finish in a hub then at that point because you're going to have to have everybody in a central location playing every three days just to get it done. So it seems like that would be the only possible trade off you could possibly do, and even even that would be really really pushing it. Well, I joked to you before, Scott, that maybe maybe uh, Melbourne City and Brisbane Raw should play a game in, when they're in quarantine. <laughs> maybe they should. They, they actually may, and I, I, I meant it as a joke, but you know what? Given the circumstances, throw in Sydney FC, if you China might will allow it. Why not? Yeah. Uh, okay. That, that's, how, that's how dire the situation is. Okay, proving that it is not just the A-League that will be impacted by the Champions League as it is currently constituted. Chinese Super League, this is just off Google, so I bear no responsibility for its accuracy. Uh, it's supposed to kick off Thursday the 11th of March. The J-League is supposed to kick off on the 26th of February. 
and the K League uh, 8th of May. So that will basically clash with the group stage, although nowhere near as much. So I get the feeling there's going to be more than a few play, uh, more than a few uh, leagues that are going to be impacted by this. But anyway, there's really all there's it's really all up in the air. Absolutely, it is. And we've gone through the practicalities. So now let's do the dream scenario for just 30 seconds here. So the Raw do play against Kai RFC, who are in the same league as the team that got knocked out probably a couple of years ago. So don't take anything absolutely for granted with that whatsoever. Then they would, if they do actually manage to progress this time around, they play Beijing Goan, who they've already played four times before in Asia. Two draws and a winner piece in the two previous group stage campaigns so obviously Beijing and Brisbane were very different sides back then than they are now so those results well they have some familiarity they don't necessarily mean a great deal then you look at the if they do happen to somehow make it into Group F they've only got it up against them the defending AFC Champions League winners so who they've also played before so it's not it's a an interesting little ride isn't it because it's a couple of teams they've played before but it is a path that if they do play some good football in Asia, and that's a big, big question mark with the Raw, given what they've done in the past, but there is a path there for them to progress if they're good enough. It's not I mean, yeah. It's not the devil's row of a, a J-League and a K-League and a Chinese League team in the group. I think if at least the good news is that if it's in a centralised hub and the Raw do make it into the group stage, they don't have to go to the steel yard because that has been a graveyard for Raw sides in Asia in the past. I, I honestly wish... They might I... play the, the hub in the steel yard now you said that. <laughs> Which would just be oh. wonderful, wouldn't it? I just I honestly can't make heads or tails of this right now because like with the way the A-League season's going, look, I think the Raw are still going to be playing well into April, maybe with a few blips on the way, but look, if they do wind up having to get, worst case, get the worst-case scenario, I would not be at all surprised if we wind up seeing... You know, a squad potentially captained by, say, a Hashan Ramazani uh, over there competing in the Asian Champions League because they're going, well, we can't afford to not finish the A-League season with the strongest possible side. So, no, Scott Neville's going to captain that side on his way back from India. There we go. Problem solved. I was going to say, just one last thing on that. The only other way, and I know James, you and I talk, spoke about it sort of in the chat, I think, uh, yesterday, was that it may be a case of where the where the, where Football Australia and the APL actually allow uh, extended squads for Sydney FC, for Melbourne City, and for the Raw, should they need it. So basically where well, they have a, a squad of 18 that's domestic, and a squad of 18 that, that's based overseas, just to be able to manage the workload. Okay. That just gave me a fantastic idea for a segment in a few weeks when, you know, maybe the A&W League sides have had the weekend off. We'll come back to that in a little bit. Let's move on now because we are running short of time and we are going to talk about the first uh, FFA Cup draw here in southeast Queensland and and central Queensland as well. That was published on the Football Queensland Facebook page today run by Simon Smale and Robert Cavallucci. Uh, the full draw is available on our social accounts, the Raw Review on Facebook and at BNE Football on Twitter. We've got a few reactions to those already. Everyone thinks their club is going to make a magical run. I think there's a few interesting ties there as well. I like the look of Southport against Oxley United just because it's two venues I remember fondly and sometimes not so fondly. What about you, Scott? 
Uh, there's two fixtures that I'm quite happy with, and there's the two former clubs in Brisbane that I played for. They're both at home in round two. Acacia Ridge and Ridge Hills are both at home in round two, so I'm looking forward to potentially wandering down to the Ron Proud Oval for the clash against Tambourine Mountain, and hopefully the mighty Ridge Hills up on the north side, up at near Adam's Neck of the Woods, can can finish off the Tarragindi Tigers. But it's great to have the FFA. It's great to have the FFA Cup back, isn't it? I mean. We had it briefly last year. I think we all really missed it in terms of in terms of what those, particularly when you get to the latter stages, when you see the MPL clubs up against some of the lower clubs from the individual states. Then you get to the national rounds when those clubs go up potentially against A League sides. They're great. They're great nights, and I think we all really missed it last year. And it's great that we're going to have it back this year. And this is just the first step for a lot of aspirational clubs. Yeah, I can't wait. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I'm cursing um, Simon and Rob for their <laughs> pick of the draw because how on earth the Pine Rivers, yay, got a buy into round two, but round three they've got either Centenary or UQ away. So unfortunately um, for um, for my for my local club, um, it might be an early exit. Unfortunately, uh, but then again, it's a cup, the Magic Cup. Anything can happen. But yeah. Um, Capital Three versus uh, Brisbane Premier League. It's going to be tough. I'm actually trying to work out what I should call my local club as well because growing up, like the ones closest to me would have been Oxley, Toowong, and UQ. Oxley was actually walking distance from my childhood home, so maybe I should actually just claim them for the purposes of entertainment on the show. Take it, why not? <laughs> yeah. You yeah. didn't play for anybody in this competition? No, I grew up playing junior rugby. Okay. So unless, unless Taylor Bridge Rugby Club suddenly starts entering <laughs> uh, football, then there's really not much I can do. Or they start, or they start uh, opening up the entries for BBC as well, because they did start playing football in year 10. So there we go. Anyway, that aside into my personal life growing up aside, we did talk about plays uh, that the Raw could possibly have to register for split squads. One of them might be Gold Gold Mabratu, who was announced on Friday afternoon as a new signing for the A-League squad. I was admittedly thinking at one point it might have been a certain American striker for the W-League side. Swing and a miss on that, guess. Also signed for a team in Orange, though. Yes, she did, and should, yeah. should probably say, yeah, just clarify there. Congratulations, Shay Connors, moving to Lions. I'm going to guess there's a chance she'll score 40 goals with that prowess, and <laughs> playing for that team, we'll have to wait and see, but... We'll talk about the NPL in a month or so when the season is closer. Gogol Mabratu. Scott, what are you expecting from him? I think this is a really good signing, actually, in terms of what he could potentially bring to the Brisbane Raw side. I mean, I think a lot of people think back to his days in the A-League with Gold Coast, United, Melbourne, Hart at the time in Western Sydney and think quick attacking play with no end product. And that might have been the case in these A-League days. But since he's gone over to Europe, he's forged a really good career for himself in, in, in Central European places like the Czech Republic and Hungary, where he's actually started to find the scoreboard on a regular basis. And I think he's now 30 years of age. He's a lot more refined as a God, player. That makes me feel old. I know. Oh, yeah. But he's now he's now still in the peak of his career. He's back here in the A-League. He's had a pretty good career in Europe, and I think it's another really good addition to a Brisbane Raw side. And it fits the mould of what Warren Moon's building in terms of Queensland talent joining up with the Brisbane Roar and forging a group of players who are from this part of the world and will represent represent all of us really well. And I think it's a good good signing. I mean, 
I think there's a spot for him as well in terms of if you look at that front third. There's some good players in there at the moment, but you're going to need depth. Whether they're in the Asian Champions League and having a split squad or not, they're going to need depth, and I think he can, at the very least, provide that. Yeah, Adam? Yeah, look, I, I, there's not much more I can add to that. I think it's a, a great signing uh, for for the Raw. Um, like I said, almost can't believe he's, he's available. Uh, so certainly one that sort of didn't sort of hit the radars as far as, you know, of potential free agents that could come along that have come back from Europe. But yeah, no, certainly, you know, got A-League experience, you know, very quick, can, can do can do the job. And um, yeah, certainly if, if, if at nothing else, he adds just a bit, a bit of experience to sort of to, to balance that youthful exuberance that's sort of in that attacking sort of, sort of um, squadron for the Raw. So look, I, can, I think it's a good signing. Yeah, I exactly. And look, I, I'm backing him to be a depth signing, basically. Uh, although we could wind up seeing him this weekend when the Raw play their first game in. On well, it's only a week and a half, but it feels like an eternity uh, in between football matches. Saturday, eight fifteen p.m. at Dolphin Stadium. Excuse me. Um, it's not a nine thirty kickoff, not nine fifteen, and it's not on a Wednesday. It is eight fifteen. You've got to remember that because Queensland, for some reason, doesn't have daylight saving, it's got to, it's got to be lift, listed in. Uh, blame the cows and the curtains, <laughs> or just blame Sydney FC. Everything's done to help them. So, yeah. anyway, yes. that's much more fun blaming Sydney FC. But look, it's not an ideal kickoff time, James. But it is something that we're just going to have to deal with in this year, where everything is up in the air, and you get games in whenever you can get them in. It's not. It's been an age since I played at home. I know that much. I mean. What was it, just after Christmas? Or December 29th, the April mentioned double header against Melbourne City. December 29th, when they last had a home game, so it's going, <laughs> to be, it's going to be fantastic to see him back at home at Dolphin Stadium. I'm sure it's actually well-timed because, obviously, the restrictions on crowds are now removed, so they'll be able to get a really good crowd up there to Dolphin Stadium and the way they've been playing. It's not the ideal time, but maybe head up and have an, grab an early dinner and then go along and watch the game because they're playing some really good stuff and... I think this will be a really entertaining game. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Raw and Adelaide have built up a fantastic rivalry over the last few seasons. Oh, Adelaide, I was thinking it was victory for some reason. Uh, that's next week. Okay. Yeah, getting getting ahead of yourself. But yeah, Raw and Adelaide have put together excellent rivalry. The 8.15 kickoff is because it's part of a Saturday triple header. So ask yourself this, would you rather see a kickoff at a quarter to two or a quarter past eight? I know which one I'm voting for. Oh, yeah. But yeah, it should be a good game. I... The Raw obviously would have had plenty of confidence holding out against Newcastle, but oh boy, like you know, you, the, uh, to go for the full pun, the Raw's concerns really are Toure, aren't they? Yeah, those two brothers are absolutely dynamic, and look, it's again we've got to give Adelaide United credit because they've put time into finding and developing two unbelievable players there. So they're going to be a handful. We saw Mohamed Toure actually, I believe he made. Either made his debut or made an appearance off the bench for uh, for Adelaide against the Roar in that first game back down on the Gold Coast, and he was fantastic that night. So I'd, I'm very much looking forward to seeing those two play. Hopefully, the Roar of Roar backline can keep them quite. It's a different type of challenge, isn't it, James? What they bring in terms of the pace and the dynamism they bring compared to the the more physical style of an O'Donovan. So it'll be interesting to see how they handle that type of a striker. Yeah, it's uh, Adelaide United. It's sort of, 
you know, you still don't know what to expect uh, from them. Uh, they've been, they've been very, I've been very, very good or very, very ordinary. And um, I guess, look, with, with a side that's very, very, like, very, very similar philosophy how the Raw built, I guess Adelaide were the first real club to really focus on, let's build from, from you know, from local stocks, it went where it can. So it's sort of almost like the same philosophy. And with that comes there sometimes inconsistencies in play and whatnot. So it'll be interesting to see which Adelaide United shows up. But when they're good, they're very good. So, um, yeah, but again, I, I, I can't wait to have, see um, the, the uh, Toure brothers. I, I think, yeah, they're, they're in, you know, unreal for Muhammad Toure. Just like 16 years old. My God. It's not fair, is how, it? How well, yeah, it's, yeah, how good is he going? And, and yeah, look, I think it's going to be a really entertaining game. And I think, actually, I think it's going to be a game that plenty of goals could be scored. Yeah, uh, that was actually what I was about to take there, Adam, and say, yeah, I, I think the Royal, to win this game, they're going to have to score at least three goals. Adelaide, shown to be a little bit suspect at the back by Perth Glory, who, mm. you know, look like they're more than capable of scoring a few themselves. Uh, yeah, I'm expecting plenty of goals, and hopefully a trip up to your neck of the woods that will be well worth the effort. Yeah, just uh, just remember as well for those who uh, are planning to make the trip, uh, but by public transport, no trains. And come on, mayor, mayor, come on. Hey, that's a state responsibility. So make uh, some phone calls, would you? Okay, so before we get into our final thoughts on this match coming up, uh, I will just give a quick plug as well. Raw Supporters Federation are organising carpools. I'm guessing from all over Brisbane, so head to their page on Facebook or their Twitter... Might be important more than ever. Yeah, exactly. So, look, it's it's an excellent um, service they're putting on for the fans there, so get behind that. If you do have a spare seat and can offer lifts from people in your neighbourhood or on the way up, because I think that would be very good, and hopefully we get a packed-out crowd at Dolphin Stadium. I know the den are planning a few things as well. Scott, what are we going to be taking, yes. taking away from this game? Well, firstly, also, Joey C is back after being unavailable for the Newcastle game as well, because obviously the loan agreement, meaning he can't play. But I'm, I think this is going to be a really, really entertaining game as well. I am i can't see this game being scoreless. I just, it, pro- it will be now that we've all said, said this, but I think there's going to be plenty of goals in it. I'm, I'm thinking a five-goal thriller. Fair enough. Adam, what are we going to be thinking about? Raw make it three straight in a high-scoring thriller. All right, there we go. I'm... Yeah, going to say. I'm trying to work. I'm trying to actually come up with something creative, and I'm going to say O'Shea scores a free kick to win the match for the Raw. Uh, Scott just nil all. No, I'm thinking nil all in coming now that we've all, we've all said this is going to be a great free flowing attacking affair. That would be fitting. We've all it? we've all cursed it, haven't we? Brisbane Football Review curse. All right, that is going to be it for this edition of the podcast. Thank you, Adam. Yeah, thanks, Scott. Scott, thank you, James. Thanks, Scott. Thank you, James. Thank you, Adam. Good to talk to you all once again. Definitely. Thank you, everyone, for listening. It's been an enjoyable last hour or so. I don't really remember most of it, but I'm sure we had our fun. We'll be back next Wednesday to break down a full weekend of Brisbane Raw football, A-League, W-League, and whatever news stories come out, presumably in the next 15 or 20 minutes. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Get out to the football on the weekend wherever you can, and we'll talk to you next Wednesday.